Hey folks, if you're dealing with sleep issues or stress, anxiety, dealing with pain management even, cutting down on inflammation, pretty much all the things I'm dealing with, I really encourage you to check out cocanacare.com. They make ultra-concentrated, terpene-rich CBD oil derived from all-natural, high-quality industrial hemp. It's legal in all 50 states. It's USDA certified 100% organic. It doesn't contain any heavy metals, no pesticides, nothing like that, and it doesn't contain THC. So if you've heard a lot about CBD but not know you know, a brand to trust to try it, I really encourage you to check them out. They're being gracious enough to support us during this time, so I'd love it if you went and supported them. You can find out more at cocanacare.com, and you can also find a link in the show notes. Cruising by um, just rural Louisiana, two dogs ran out. They're both little, you know, mutt-sized dogs, and one of them came up real close up to my pedals, and I was going about 16 miles per hour. And uh, they were, it was yapping at my feet, just kept running up closer to my front tire. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Happy Monday, folks. Uh, just so you know, I'm, I'm still moving, still making the adjustment. So if, again, the world's a lot, lots going on right now. And uh, so if something crazy happened and I'm not mentioning it, it's because this intro was recorded a few weeks ago. So uh, yeah, so thanks for your patience with that. But we didn't want any lapse in episodes posted during this time. Today's episode is just awesome. Jude Neller, he's joining us from his home, and uh, he's 20 years old. He was 19 when he did this journey, biking across America. And all y'all know, I, I, that was my first adventure, was a, a bicycle ride for across country, and I was 20. And uh, it was with my best friend, Paul. And man, it, it just, I, I, I kind of see myself a lot in Jude, and I mentioned that a lot, so I apologize for just that constant, oh man, that was like me, I sound like some old dude, but uh, technically I'm still in my 20s, so I, not for long, but just a little bit longer, so I'm going to hold on to that as long as I can, but I loved Jude's approach, he just went for it, you know, he's young, you know, I know a lot, not everyone can do this, but he had a $75 bicycle that we talk about, and I love that, you know that one of my biggest tropes is doing adventure with what you have where you are. You know, you don't need the $5,000 bike or the $60,000 camper van or a $10,000, whatever. You just do what you can. Obviously, if you're doing something very specific like climbing or mountaineering and you need very specific expensive gear, please be safe. But there's so much you can be doing that doesn't require all that much. Adventure is cheap. Adventure is like happiness. It, it starts from within, and it, it's a choice you make a lot of times. Adventure is a choice. Let's patent that or something. Trademark it. Just, just a quick story. I, I saw an older couple in Rocky Mountain National Park a few months back, and they had just had some bunch of old gear, but they climbed this amazing wall, got up there in the snow, and, and had a picnic lunch and came down. They were a pretty older couple, and all their gear was incredibly old, but you know what? They did it, and I didn't do it. You know what I mean? I had nicer stuff, but I, I didn't do any of that. So, so to me them actually doing it is a lot more impressive than waiting around to get the right gear to do something. Get what you need, don't spend too much, and go for your adventure. 
right now is a great time to be planning these things because a lot of y'all are going through changes and you're needing to make a change. So go for it. And I hope Jude's story inspires you. All right, folks, welcome to today's episode. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. I like all the episodes, don't get me wrong, but this one this one feels like it's going to be special just because we got someone so young doing something so epic to me, um, biking across country. You know that's something I love. If you're a fan of the show, I talk about it all the time. But uh, yeah, today's guest is Jude Neller. Jude, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be on the show. Yeah, so where are you coming from today? Where are you, where are you hold up for quarantine? Uh, well, I'm here in Springfield, Illinois, born and raised. I've actually uh, lived in this house for 20 years in July. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, whole life in the cornfields. And actually, my first time really getting out uh, into the mountains, which I love the mountains, but I was I would never really left the flatlands until I was 16 and had my first real adventure out west with my older brother. We took his Jeep out to uh, Colorado, Utah, and South Dakota. Oh, man, I bet that blew your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Going in, I remember going into the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It was just like my head just like glued to the window, just looking up like, oh, my gosh, this is real. I'd be spending a lot more time out in the, out in the mountains after that. That's awesome, man. I, that's actually where I live. I live right in the foothills of uh, of the Rocky Mountains outside of Denver. But uh, oh, man. it's a great, it's a great that's place. Awesome. It is, but it's uh, you know, there's no place like home. I put it that way. And so that's right. Yeah, yeah. Adventure can be anywhere, man. It really can. Yeah, people around here. Me and my friends joke that Springfield's a great place to travel from because it never changes. <laughs> there you go, yeah, man. You know what's good. You know what to expect at home. You know. Yeah, that's right. Gosh, I don't even know where to start. I, I guess, you know, folks heard a little bit about you. I, I record a uh, an official intro after the interview, so folks are going to hear kind of a, a general overview of your story there. But I, I'd love to just hear, like, what led you to want to bike across country? What inspired that <laughs> or what kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, what led to that idea? What was that like? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I started riding on two wheels when I was three years old. Um According to my parents' stories, I was begging to get the training wheels off. Uh, I had an older brother at the time. He was racing BMX. And uh, my dad has always been into uh, all types of biking, mountain biking, BMX when he was younger, and then road cycling as I was growing up. And uh, I remember a friend of ours, um, a family friend, he rode across the country back in the late 80s. He rode the basically the northern tier from Portland to New York City. And uh, I remember hearing him about his stories when I was seven years old and thinking how outlandish and crazy that sounded. But for some reason, it really appealed to me. So from a young age, I always had an, a mind for adventure and a, a longing to do something pretty you know, big and cool. And when I was 18, I got my motorcycle license and my brother and I, we both had uh, Kawasaki KLR 650s and a couple. Well, two months after I turned 18, we took our bikes and we rode up to Canada and we circled all five Great Lakes and uh, had a pretty grand adventure. And then later that summer, we took our motorcycles out west. Uh, we did a lot of off-roading out in the Rocky Mountains, San Juan Mountains, Moab, Utah. And after that experience, uh, 
I was really, I was really transfixed on the idea of doing a longer tour on a bicycle. Uh, at the time, I was committed to the Navy, and <clears throat> after I graduated high school, the plan was to spend the next six years in the U.S. Navy. The summer leading up to that, I actually injured myself by overtraining. I tend to overdo it sometimes to get uh, pad about something. Um, <laughs> so actually, after during boot camp, I got discharged, medically discharged from the Navy. Um, and while I was in holding up there in uh, Great Lakes at the boot camp, I decided that since all my plans had been derailed for what I thought was going to be my foreseeable future, I decided that I was going to bike across the country as soon as as soon as my injuries were healed up, which were uh, stress fractures and shin splints in my lower legs. At that point, I had never done longer than two days on a bicycle. Wow. And so that was November of 2018. So I I came home in November of 2018, and I got a job as a jewelry salesman <laughs> locally here. All and right. um, yeah, I was. I mean, at that point, I was about to turn 19, and I was making uh, pretty decent money as a jewelry salesman. Didn't know much about it, but I was learning. And uh, I, you know, taking a job in sales can never go wrong because you're either going to love it or you're going to learn that you don't want to be in sales. <laughs> right, <yeah>. So. <laughs> So I worked that, and I was just stashing away some money, and uh, I knew that I was going to do this trip. So in the middle of the winter, I started planning it out, and it was pretty funny because uh, in November, I just got real excited. One day, I looked up adventure cycling because I didn't have any idea of routes. So I looked up adventure cycling, found the southern, southern tier, which was the most appealing to me um, because of the states that I went through. I'd never been to the West Coast before, so... Um, I ordered the maps, and after that, I said, well, I have the maps. There's no going back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you bought the map. You got to do it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they came in the mail, and I showed my family, and they're like, oh, so you weren't joking about this. I'm like, heck no, I'm not joking. I'm going to do it. Uh, so then I, I kind of nailed down a, um, a rough date. I said sometime between April and May I'll leave, and this was, a, this was again around uh, November or December of 2018 so then slowly but surely i was just kind of um doing a little bit of research on gear and and uh what kind of bike i wanted to ride and at the time which i still have this bike it's a trek 1200 series racing bike and it, i bought it i bought it when i was 15 years old for a triathlon do you know what year it is um from what i've heard from mechanics they said it's probably mid 90s that's awesome, man. I, I'm looking at the bike right now. It's 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 this old Trek, man. And I think, yeah. I mean, that's just awesome that you took off on that thing, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was actually, uh, so leading up to it, I was looking at like Surly's and stuff. And I was like, I don't really want to spend 1500 to $2,000. Um, and I'm just going to do it on what I have because well, what's better? What's a better story than that? So I actually ha had some experience in welding and I welded a bracket that mounted onto it so I could uh, attach my frame because it didn't have a bracket for or the holes in the frame to mount the uh, the back rack. Oh, I see. Holy cow. I can't tell that from the pictures. Wow. Yeah. It's so it's and it's an aluminum racing bike. So I didn't really consider the wheels and the the build of them so that actually ended up being a problem 
not far, not too far into my trip to get back to the b- before I started. So as I was working in the jewelry store, um, just between customers, I'd sit at the front counter on Amazon and just uh, load up my cart with all the things I needed, like my paneers, my back rack, my camping gear, my shoes, my helmet, or you know all that stuff. And uh, I was just reading some forums, what was the best best um, items to bring with me, and I I was pretty much doing it ultralight. Not I wouldn't say ultralight, but lighter than most people. I didn't have front racks or front bags. Yeah. So uh, I and leading up to it, I actually only rode my bike five or six times um that winter <laughs> just get just get a feel for oh i can't ride it i'm good <laughs> yeah i mean the the my longest ride before that was 104 miles my brother and i uh my older brother blaine he uh he and i rode from here to champaign illinois which the route we took was uh 104 miles and then we woke up the next day and rode back um we stayed with my grandparents and uh, so I just had to do that basically 30 times in a row, but and add in dozens of feet of elevation gain, you know, it's no big deal. <laughs> right. Well, man, what's just uh, so crazy about this is like, what, what did your parents say? Were, I mean, you tell them the idea, you're obviously oh. getting stuff shipped to your house. And I mean, what was, what was their kind of a reaction to the idea and also going into it? How did they feel about it? Um, my dad could not be more excited. Um, he actually... He was with us when we went out west on our motorcycles, and that was we roughed it on that trip. We camped every night. Um, so he's always been an advocate for my brother and I's adventures. Um, my mom, on the other hand, <laughs> she she was quite nervous to say the least. Um, lots of prayers from her. Um, they, they trusted my judgment and my preparation. They did question. <laughs> I shouldn't say they um she questioned whether or not i was physically prepared enough and uh, you know i'm just like mom it's just bicycle i mean it'll be fine you know it's not like i'm running across the country or something Uh, um but you know they were were they're very supportive supportive of me and i'm super thankful for their support and and so you get all your stuff together you got your bike you did your five or six rides and you (laughs) get to san diego wait did you just follow the southern tier exactly start where they suggest and and just go from there like what was it like to start i mean that had to feel crazy it was it was wild actually um i'm fortunate to know someone in san diego so uh, she picked me up from the airport and it's just family friend and uh she was like you should stay and we'd go surfing and stuff and i'm like no i want to get started today so i flew in on a saturday morning i got to san diego around noon and uh, I had to go, I shipped my bike to a b- local bike shop and it was actually like half mile from the trailhead. Uh, so I had to go get my bike assembled, which took a lot longer than I had anticipated. Uh, but when I got on the route, finally, it was about 4 PM and I had never, I had never followed an ACA map before. That's uh, so two miles in and I took my first turn. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So, so, so you, it was a learning curve. I've used ACA once for the tour divide and it was, it was tough. I didn't oh, have man. a cyclo computer or anything, but, uh, Oh, yeah, I can't man. imagine that. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're good. Maps, though. Oh, I love them. It's, um, it didn't take long to get acquainted with the maps, but, um, yeah, I followed, I followed the maps to a T pretty much other than Phoenix. I rerouted, I used uh, Google maps to get myself to a bike shop. And then, um, actually in Mississippi, I took a wrong turn 
and I went five miles in the opposite direction and got a flat tire and um, oh, <laughs> had to reroute myself back to back to the road road I was supposed to be on. And that was actually a day that I completed 150 miles. So I had at that point I had 75 miles to do at 4 p.m. I still had 75 miles left. It was a challenging afternoon. Jeez, man. Yeah. I, you mentioned uh, early on, I, I know I, I've done that route, actually, um, oh, in nice. the same amount of time, too, uh, 33 days. And so... No way. Yeah, man. Same exact route. I did it 2016, so not not terribly long ago, but... um. The elevation right at the beginning, you know, you go right up into the mountains oh my pretty gosh. much right from the coast. I'm sure it caught you off guard a little yeah. bit. Oh, it really, yeah. Um, the elevation was like a smack in the face by a brick. <laughs> I knew that I had nothing around here to prepare myself mentally for that. And so, you know, basically you go from sea level to around 4,000 feet within the first 50 miles. And, uh, I just kept cranking and, uh, you know, I knew there's no choice but going up. So I just had to have some positive self-talk and, uh, a few caffeinated beverages and I got myself through, you know, that first climb. And then it was downhill, you know, that straight shot on the interstate, like straight down to the Valley, which was insane going like 50 miles an hour, whizzing past, or not whizzing past semis, but, you know, alongside semis and the shoulder was just strewn with debris. It was pretty freaky. That's wild, man. I I mean, so early on, what were, I don't know, did anything happen or what, what, what was it like camping? Were you familiar with that kind of stuff? Did that stuff scare you or, or what were some of those fears going in? Okay. The camping was actually really unique because the first night I got kicked out of a campsite. Um, <laughs> it's a funny story. So I was in San Diego and like I said, I got a late start and I ended up only getting 30 miles in that afternoon. So I hadn't reserved any um, any campsites, and I didn't actually find out about warm showers until day five of the trip. Oh wow! So yeah. that was unfortunate. <laughs> but uh, so I left San Diego and I made it to Lakeside, California, and there was a campground by Lake Jennings. It was Lake Jennings Campground. I didn't call until six p.m. and the office was closed, and it was um, so. By by the time I got there, it was about nine p.m. It was all dark. And there was a gate around the whole lake area, and there, but there was a, a way I got in through a smaller gate. And I was just riding up the road to the campground, and I actually took a little drainage uh, ditch uh, up to where the sites were, and it went right to an open campsite. So I said, I was like, well, you know, I'll just pitch my tent here. If anybody bothers me, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I got all my tent set up, ate my dinner, got in, zipped it, and then a park ranger came up and shined his light in my tent. And he said, so I like, I sat up and I was like, good evening. He's like, do you mind telling me your name to confirm this is your site? And it's just a total Barney Fife character, but you know, I wasn't supposed to be there. And he, I told him my name. He's like, well, that's funny. Cause that doesn't match the name on the reservation. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh crap. Man. I was like, dude, you have no idea what my day has been. Um, <laughs> it was pretty funny because I went next door and I, and I was like, well, I know you don't want me to stay here, but you can't stop me from asking someone else if I can stay on, on their campsite. And I was just determined to sleep somewhere. I know I probably sounded like a jerk to him, but, uh, I was like, I, I want to sleep. And it turns out the site that I was at, the people had packed up 30 minutes beforehand and left. So it was an empty campsite. Um, and, but 
story sure he called back up another guy in a golf cart pulls up and they're like you gotta leave you can go stay with the other homeless people down at the lake and i'm like i'm not homeless <laughs> it was really funny you know, i'm like you see all this gear this is probably this is worth more than your you know month's salary here this is not like a you know homeless guy hauling around trash <laughs> right and, uh, right no I, i've definitely been accused a few times it's funny yeah so uh it was it was a i was bummed out and i was disappointed in my preparation that night but i was fortunate enough to call my friend who was only 30 miles away she came pick me up i stayed at her apartment that night and then she drove me back the next morning uh which was easter sunday uh right back where i left off Oh, perfect. There you go, man. That's, uh, yeah, you know, we all, we all need a little help when we get, get started off and you, you make it through that first night. Um, then what, how long do you think, did it take you to kind of get in a rhythm or feel like you were kind of in, in the lifestyle and making it work? And all honesty, it, I didn't get super comfortable with the mileage I was aiming for until I was, um, until I was east of Texas, really, because so pretty um, much almost going, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a thousand miles left, and I, I was like, okay, I'm getting in a groove. But you know, a lot of that had to do with I had five days of extreme headwind um, from the point I crossed the Texas state line until I was pretty much to, in central Texas. But also, one of my biggest challenges was leaving Phoenix because the day that I, the night that I got to Phoenix, my legs were cooked, and then the next morning. Uh, you got that big climb up through those mountain passes and going up the Tonto Basin. And uh, I actually did a lot of those 8% grades when it was dark on those interstates. <laughs> and I, that was my only time I saw a rattle was the, was going up those big climbs. But that was a huge challenge. Um, East, East Texas was pretty enjoyable once I got to uh, the greener side of the country, but I, it was getting pretty lonely out there in West Texas and, uh, the high desert with nothing but short shrubs and, um, just land for miles and miles and nothing but semis here and there. Man, unbelievable. I, I'm just looking at the route right now and thinking back, you, you know, West Texas was really empty, really, really empty. And yeah, right oh, yeah. about hill country in Texas, it was started getting nice and, um, you know, what, what were you, uh, how, how was your interaction with people? Did you, did you ever feel endangered or were people pretty kind to you? Pretty nice. And did you meet anyone really interesting? How, how, how was it with the, the folks out there? Um, really the only issues I had with motorists were when I got to East Texas through, um, Alabama and it was the, uh, young rednecks and their four by four diesels that would think it was just hilarious to, creep up behind me and uh then jam it to the floor and blow black smoke in my face oh yeah and i just rolling coal is what that's called (laughs) yeah oh roll for sure i just wish i had one afternoon see if they could keep up with me on the bike you know Um, (laughs) (laughs) i know it pisses you off when they do that it's like come on we could have a beer together you know we could oh not you you're too young yeah 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 um actually speaking of beer there in uh, Florida, I stopped at Blackwater State Park, and I just wanted to do a little circle around the river and see what that was like. And as I was leaving, somebody uh, was or they were coming up behind me and they're like, "Hey, buddy, hey!" And they said something to me, and then they stopped at the stop sign. I'm like, "Oh no, what do they want?" So I ride up to him, and he's holding out a beer, a natty light. He's like, 
hey, man, hey, brother, you look like you've had a hard day. You could probably go for a beer right now. <laughs> and he's like, have a beer. And I, I was like, oh, man, uh, thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. And uh, I got a, I got a laugh out of that. And, uh, you know. Sounds southern, like Florida. Southern, <laughs> southern hospitality. Yeah. But uh, I really I met a lot of wonderful people at, at gas stations. Really, I love the gas station interactions because you know you pull up and you got your high visibility gear on and all your stuff strapped to your bike, and people can't help but ask questions. And I like telling about myself and what I'm doing, but really I like asking them questions about about them and uh, you know how long they've lived there, if and what their life has been like and stuff because. You know, at some point you get tired of talking about yourself. It's the same spiel every day to people. Uh, so, yeah, I met some great people and I stayed with um, three warm shower hosts and they were all wonderful. That, yeah, no, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. You pull up and people say, you know, it's the big questions is where are you going? Where did you come from? And like, what else? Another one? Like, yeah, how, how far are you going today or something? Or why? Why? I get a lot of, why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> why in the world would you do and, that? Yeah. <laughs> and it was, I mean, my why is I just, I always want to try to push myself farther. And actually, I would, I started competitive swimming at, or year round swimming when I was 13. Uh, at my local YMCA swim team. And uh, I joined the team at 13 and barely qualified for state that year. And then my goal was to go to nationals. And my junior and senior year of high school, I went to nationals um, and uh, actually ended up placing in a relay uh, top top six in the nation for YMCA. So that, um, that background really gave me a drive that to push my body and push my mind farther than I thought capable. And I don't think that if I didn't have that background, I don't think this ride would have been possible. So just have to give a big shout out to my teammates and my coach for, you know, all the hard days in the pool, the hours and hours of training and uh, the camaraderie that came with that. Because when I was by myself on two wheels, it was, you know, didn't have that camaraderie with other people. It was just all in my own head. Wow, man. You know, going through this and having to do it every single day, was there was there ever a point that it just started getting too hard or felt too difficult, or did it get easier as you went on? Um, it definitely, I got stronger as it went on, and uh, my family definitely noticed that. They're like, dude, your quads are getting huge. And I'm like, well, thanks to the mountains. Uh, the, <laughs> the most painful point I can remember is that day that, I left Phoenix and then the next I camped at Jake's corner. I don't know if you remember that place. Um, it was basically a gas station and a bar up in the desert. And, uh, that night that was the most pain I've ever felt in my legs. And the next morning getting back on the bike, uh, was extremely, uh, challenging just to get down the road five or 10 miles. But there was only one day where I didn't bike at all. And that was in silver city, New Mexico. Uh, I ended up breaking spokes on my back wheel because the wheels weren't heavy enough, uh, heavy enough duty. So I had to wait it out. And the crazy thing was they were doing the tour to Gila out in the, out in New Mexico mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. So the bike shops were like slammed, um, with all the professional racers out there. So I went to a small bike shop and the guy actually let me, uh, let me true my own rim. And he was teaching me the techniques to do that and stuff. So that was really cool. 
Um, but after that, you know, I think that day was pretty crucial because when you leave Silver City, you have the the tallest elevation of the whole trip, which is Emory Pass. And that one day of recovery really was crucial for that climb because that's a pretty steep climb, but it really wasn't as bad as I anticipated. Yeah, by that point, man, you were, you know, a good almost pretty much third into the trip and had some miles behind you, had a little rest. And, yeah. you know, I was going to ask if anything went wrong with the bike, cause it is an older bike, but, uh, yeah. and you had it for a few years and obviously you bought it used, but, uh, you know, do, do you mind sharing just like, how much did you pay for that? Or, or kind of, <laughs> like, it, it doesn't seem like you spent a ton of money on this trip. No. Um, so the bike I paid $75 for, I love and, it. um, yeah, I paid 75 bucks for it. And then I had a neighbor who gave me an old, uh, an old Dutch bike that he toured Europe on that had a stem that I took from it. Cause I had a racing stem on my bike. So I took the stem off of this old Dutch bike. It's called a gazelle. And I put it on my bike. It looks ridiculous. It's an adjustable stem, very bulky. That was able to raise my bars up to where I needed them to be. And I just, I double wrapped my bar tape to give a little extra cushion, but my brake hoods were, I don't know how old they are, but they're extremely pointy. So then I ended up resting my hands on them and uh, the points were going straight into my palm of my hand. I lost feeling in my hand for about three weeks after I got home from my trip. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty funny, Jeez. but back to the bike, uh, disassembled the wheels, repacked the wheel bearings disassembled my bottom bracket, repacked my bottom bracket before I left, bought a new chain, uh, put Schwalbe Marathon plus tires on it. And uh, that's basically all I did. I got a new seat also. Um, but yeah, so that's all I did in preparation on the bicycle. So going up to Silver City, I broke my first spoke. I got new spokes, or I got a new spoke, trued the rim, and then in Alpine, Texas, going into Alpine, Texas, I broke another spoke and I went to a small bike shop there and they didn't have any wheels. So I got like six extra spokes. And then two days after leaving Alpine, I broke two more spokes and I had to stop. It was a whole process. It was my rear wheel. So I had to stop, take my wheel off, take my, you know, tire to rim tape and, uh, do the whole truing process on the side of the road which was tricky, but, and it was very frustrating because I just wanted to get, get some miles under my belt. But in Austin, Texas, I ended up going to Mellow Johnny's bike shop and, uh, it's Lance Armstrong's bike shop. It's a coffee shop, taco joint and bike shop all in one. And it's one of the coolest places I've ever been. And, uh, they hooked me up with a new rear wheel, a nice Mavic and installed it for me for like 60 bucks. And it's been great ever since. Oh man, that's, that's actually the wheels I ride. And, and, yeah, man, I was going to ask, you know, this isn't necessarily a touring bike. It's old. Did How did you make it happen? Because I feel like so many people feel like they have to have all the just <laughs> perfect equipment, everything yeah. right dialed in. You know, people get really particular about their gear and they spend tons and tons of money on it. But it's like, I love when folks like you just go out there and make it happen. You know what I mean? That's what adventure yeah. is really all about. Exactly. Yeah. And that's. You know, it's like the, you, yeah, I mean, I see it every day. If you go on the bike trail, whatever you see these guys and they're all, they got all their color coordinated, coordinated, uh, spandex on and everything. And they're averaging a whopping 12 miles an hour. 
Um, it's like, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how fancy your gear is or how new it is, how improved, you know, it's not going to put the muscles on your legs. It's not going to put the stamina in your cardio. And, uh, that's really what I had to keep telling myself because it's like, yeah, I could have a little better gear. I could have a little, uh, more efficiency, but it was funny because when I was coming into Las Cruces, New Mexico, it was one, it was my longest day yet. And I had done 120 miles and I crossed the paths of two guys. Uh, that had just started that day. They were picking up in El Paso. Um, they started in El Paso, Texas, and they were going up to Canada. And this guy had a brand new carbon fiber touring bike, all Ortley, brand new panniers. Everything was shiny, no dirt on it. And uh, I was like, how far have you guys gone today? They're like, oh, mile 30 right now. And it was 8 p.m. I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of like, interesting. And they're like, yeah, we're we're uh, you know planning to do this many miles a day or whatever. And but what about you? I'm like, you know, I told them my mileage and everything and they're like very shocked and they were a little older than me, but not, not too old. And it was just a good reminder that even though these guys have amazing gear that I would love to, to ride on and use and uh, they're all hooked up, you know, I'm, I'm doing it with what I have and the stamina that I've built for myself and the drive it's, you know, you can't trade that for, you can't trade that for anything. But, you know, it just goes to show it's it's not the uh, it's not the gear that makes the ride. Definitely not, man. And, you know, I, I've dang, I can't tell you how many times that keeps people from from doing things. And, you know, if you would have waited on, you know, being able to afford a two thousand dollar touring bike and all the right all the right stuff, you might have not ever gone because yeah. that might, day might have not ever yeah. came, you know. But guess what? You went yeah. out there and you crushed it and you you actually did it. You know what I'm saying? There's a huge, if it's the difference between doing it or not, I would say go with what you have right now if you can go. Yeah. If you have to wait, but you might not have the opportunity then when you have some money to get the gear, then, you know, as long as you're not putting yourself in crazy danger and <laughs> it worked though, you know, you, it made it. Yeah, and there was it some, did. There was, some, there was some setbacks, but guess what? You, you solved it. You went to a bike shop. This guy cut you a deal, figured it out. And so, and it obviously yeah. led to a lot of cool stories too, you know? Yeah. And it did. And, you know, nothing against people who buy nice gear. I mean, I would love to spend, you know, thousands of dollars on the nice gear, but just to back to your point of, you know, I could have bought the nice bike and stuff, but I want, you know, I want money in my bank account too. Um, but right, right. one of the other, one of the other funny things about my bike is since it's aluminum and lightweight, I actually wasn't able to pedal standing up at all. Um, cause there was so much flex in the frame. Oh. It just wobbled. If I, if I pedaled it at all standing up, even at a, you know, like in a parking lot. So I stayed seated that entire ride while pedaling and, uh, it, it would have been, it definitely would have been nice to have a sturdy steel frame bike where I could have stood up and stood up and cranked every once in a while. Um, but I think it was just one of those things where it, it just made me stronger and helped me appreciate. Yeah. There you go. Helped you appreciate it. And so you were also traveling, traveling light. C can you walk us through like some of the gear you took and what, what was important to have and what was it? Um, the most important gear to me was the tent that I had, even though I never got rained on, 
Um, but just to have the tent, cause I, I slept on the side of the road a few times and like corn or not cornfield. I don't know what kind of fields they were, just dirt fields. And without <laughs> the tent, I, and I just don't want to be sleeping where a poisonous snake or some, you know, like a black widow spider could come crawling on my bag. Uh, so the tent sleeping bag and sleeping mat were important. And those are all fairly lightweight. Um, Dude, I, I was looking at your sleeping pad. You have a climate static V that's the exact same sleeping pad I used on all my bike tours same, same <laughs> color awesome. and everything oh that's great yeah it actually it actually just popped this summer so <laughs> I'm gonna have to get it once <laughs> oh, well yeah. yeah yeah you can patch them with a bike repair kit so just so you know yeah I can't find the hole <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, funny and I had the same stove as you too it was like an old Coleman stove oh yeah that's funny because I I was listening to one of your uh previous casts uh like a couple weeks ago and I heard you say I just bought a Walmart stove for like 15 bucks I'm like huh I wonder if that's the same one I have pretty Dang, awesome same exact one man that's <laughs> yeah. too cool yeah yeah it doesn't I mean it's not as quick as a jet boil that was one of the things that you know jet boils are nice takes like 30 seconds boil water but I really didn't do a lot of mountain meals um so the that was whatever but um, having charging packs for my phone was big time especially out west when there was some like 100 mile uh, 90 or 90 mile stretches where there's like no stops or anything. Um, so, you know, sleeping on the side of the road, being able to have a couple days worth of charges for your phone was big because, you know, I'm out there by myself. If anything were to happen, you know, I just, I want to be able to reach someone. Uh, so I would charge those up at campsites or warm shower hosts and I'd have about, um, four days worth of charge with just two small battery packs. Oh man, that's great. Yeah. You, 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 you had a basic, but very efficient setup. Um, you know, I love that you only used, uh, the rear panniers and kind of just, you know, I, that's how I rode too, man. This is gosh, it's like looking at myself 10 years ago. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> sorry if I'm just like reminiscing, but. Oh no, um, I love it. That's my favorite part about talking yeah, to people about like, stuff. Wow. That's so nuts. Um, so, so what, uh, what were some, what was maybe one of your favorite memories from the experience? Was it a particular set of miles or a particular you know, sunset or something, some sort of someone you met? Was there anything that you just love to share when people ask, how did it go? Oh man, there's just, there's so many. I might just list <laughs> off a few. Yeah, uh, go for it. Sun, <laughs> sunrise in Mississippi was extraordinary um, over the farmland. That was so beautiful. Um, the Gila the Gila national forest in New Mexico, the beauty of the, the granite rocks and the hills and the tall, uh, spruce trees. I think they are out there was extraordinary. Um, and the two I rode, this is a pretty unique story at the time. Uh, so my, my girlfriend now, her dad was in the Naval reserves. He recently retired. Um, but at the time last year he was in Pensacola, uh, for, he was a flight trainer for um, helicopter pilots in the Navy. And he had talked to my family um, when I was actually in Arizona. And he said, well, is he going to be passing through uh, the Pensacola? Because I'm going to be there in mid-May. And uh, so we connected. And he told me the dates that he was going to be there. And I told him that was right around the time that I anticipated to be there. And then that's right when I ran into bike trouble in New Mexico. It set me back a little bit. And then I got a couple, um, a little setback in Texas. And so I ended up booking it. I did 150 miles, um, two days in a row through Louisiana, uh, Mississippi and to, uh, Dolphin Island. 
And then the next day, um, the next day I took the ferry and met him and he, I stayed with him that night. He took me out to dinner. Uh, he bought me breakfast the next morning. We met some of his friends. And, uh, at the time I was actually talking to his daughter, who's now my girlfriend. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool that, and, you know, I, it was really awesome to stay with someone that lives in Springfield, Illinois, because, uh, you know, he was flying down there and now, uh, you know, here I am dating his daughter. <laughs> that's pretty cool, man. That's, that's yeah. awesome. So I, at least yeah. I don't, I don't know how he, uh, you know, feels about that. Well, this guy just homeless dude ri- riding his bike across country is now dating my daughter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh no, he, he was all for it. He was That's all cool. for it. So you you get to the end, and I you I think your parents met you there, and yeah. I mean, what was that feeling like completing the, that? And what it, I don't know what was going through your head as you got closer, because right? you get this surge of energy, of course, as you get really close, and it's like, holy cow, I made it. Yeah, it was it was a challenge all the way up to the last few miles. I had crazy headwind um, getting to the Atlantic coast, you know, just the coastal breeze. But leading up to the last day, I definitely felt some bittersweet emotions. And the last day itself was excitement to see my parents, um, excitement to be done with the ride. But I really wanted to keep riding. Uh, if it weren't for them coming wow. to meet me and it weren't for my job to come back home to, I really, I probably would have kept going up the coast into new England, but that's for another day. <laughs> so that, that leads me to the, my next question. Do you, do you foresee doing, doing more tours in the future? Did you enjoy bike touring enough to continue doing it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's by far, uh, probably the most exciting adventure I've been on. I want to do the Northern tier now uh i want to do the north tier i'm not sure when but you know in the near future i actually just did the natchez trace with my older brother as a last hurrah before he becomes a father and in two weeks from now so that's exciting oh wow you're gonna be uncle jude yeah feeling the crazy ideas in his head oh yeah oh one one thing i i just want to throw in about my trip is my father actually rode he rode his motorcycle like 900 miles and met me in Louisiana and camped with me one night, uh, during my trip. And it was so special to be able to see him and, uh, just spend that night camping with him. And then the next day he just, uh, explored Louisiana while I did my miles. And then we, um, we stayed one night in a hotel, then he left. And, uh, what the best part and the most painful part of my trip, because after not, you know, seeing my loved ones for 20 some days and then having to, uh, say goodbye again. I just started bawling my eyes out. <laughs> Man, that is, gosh, that's exactly you know what it feels like. It's like you 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 see them. It's exciting. You've done. You've seen all these things. The the three weeks, four weeks to to them might not feel like that much, but to you, it's felt like six months. You know, you've seen yeah. so much in that small amount of time. That's Every really day cool. Is just packed full of new things. So, so what would you say the biggest lesson you learned from doing this on your own at such a young age? I mean, is there anything you really kind of carry with you now? Because it well, this was a year, a year ago, correct? Yes, it was. Yeah, a year ago. Now I was somewhere down south. But the biggest takeaway for me is that comfort robs us all from the greatest rewards in life, and those of us who are 
strong enough and driven enough to make ourselves uncomfortable and endure that, we come out uh, learning more, becoming stronger. And if we're smart enough and have enough grace, we can encourage others to do the same. That and don't eat too much canned chili while you're biking. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that that made for a rough day or two following that. Yeah. Holy cow. My body told me real quick, stop eating canned chili. Stop eating canned chili, (laughs) yeah. It's it's really hard not to just eat everything inside on those rides because you get so hungry burning all the calories and you just you get to a town and want to eat everything they have (laughs) yeah and it really was challenging once i got to um once i got to texas and they had laredo tacos and most of the gas stations go there and get like four chimichangas and their uh, fresh tacos and just chow down all day on that stuff i was sweating out mexican food not even kidding (laughs) that's awesome man so so if you just just to wrap up i'd love to hear is there anything in the works for you moving forward anything next you got your eyes set i don't know you said the northern tier but anything immediately for you as well as uh you know where can people find out more about you and learn more about your story um as of now my biggest goal right now is actually um writing about the whole trip uh journal handwritten handwritten documentation of the trip um, so that's a goal, but as far as trips go, I reserved a spot for the, uh, trans North Georgia mountain bike race, but I'm not sure if that's on, that's August 15th. And I'm not sure if that's going to go down with all this stuff happening. Um, so we'll just see, but, um, I'm actually also something that's up in the air is I might be going to Nepal for a missions trip in July. That'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah, I ran over a dog in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> what? How did you it, do that? Yeah, for all the dog for all the dog lovers out there, I, I just want to say that I'm not. I do not advocate animal cruelty, and it was not my fault. I was cruising by um, just rural Louisiana houses, and uh, two dogs ran out. They're both little, you know, mutt sized dogs, and one of them came up real close up to my pedals, and I was going about 16 miles per hour. And, uh, they were, it was yapping at my feet. So I kicked off one of my feet from the clip pedal and I went to like kind of push it away with my foot and it just kept running up closer to my front tire and my foot sticking out made me veer to the left a little bit. And it it pretty much stuck its neck right under my tire and ended up running over, uh, its neck with my front and back tire. And then it ran off squealing. It was fine, but I, I was almost wrecked. So that was, I was glad to, uh, come away from that without dropping the bike. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Also my iPhone, um, totally crashed and I was without, without communication or any access in Texas Hill country, uh, for 24 hours. And that was pretty crazy because it was like the hilliest part of that. And a huge storm came in that night and it was actually pretty miraculous. I know that, uh, God was watching over me at that point because I had a choice to, stay at a gas station, which was closed in the middle of nowhere under a tree or go five miles out of the way to a place that was listed on the map, um, as an RV park. And I decided to go out of the way. It was already dark. So I'm going down a gravel road at like nine 30 at night and end up in these people's front yard. And, uh, they were really nice people and they had cabins on their property. They let me stay in one of their cabins and gave me food, let me use their computer. 
And uh, that night it stormed. It was the worst storm I experienced that whole trip. So I could have been under a tree that night getting struck by lightning. But uh, by the grace of God, I was with some wonderful people staying in their cabin. Dude, just it, it, things work out when you put yourself out there. You don't know how you're going to get through these things, but people just come through for you, you know, and people, there's good people out there. That's something that bike yeah. touring really taught me is that most people are, are really wonderful, you know? Yeah, they are. And, uh, it was reassuring, you know, cause you look around the world and think what's going on, but no, there are some, there are a handful. I had a lady run me off the road purposely, um, in town it was, and, uh, she's just stopped on the side of the road and just stared at me as I went by and we exchanged some words, but, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, everybody was pretty great. Man, that's awesome. I and mean, I can't wait to hear more and, and hear more about what other adventures you plan on doing. And so, so how can, uh, how can folks follow you and, uh, I don't know, to hear more about your story or fi- reach out to you? Oh yeah. You um, JHK 2000 on Instagram. That's just all lowercase. And then the year I was born. Um, and I, I hope to be making more updates, um, about, about my upcoming adventures and stuff on there. I really appreciate you joining us, man. It was, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. It was fun. Cool. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Okay. See ya. All right. See ya. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.